Hey guys, this is part two of our conversation with the incredible Niall Rogers. If you missed part one, go back and listen to it first. Enjoy. Speaking of incredible people you've worked with and been around, um, I was listening to your podcast with Malcolm Gladwell and you told a story about Prince. Yeah. And I was so gagged by it. I feel like you should tell the story. Which which story? I've got a million prints. It was that you, were, you went and you jammed with him for a while. You sent him roses. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. The first time we played together. Yeah. First time, the first, yeah. first time we played together. So Prince was famous for doing these after parties, right? He would do a big concert and then he'd do another, right. a small show at like a little, you know, just like a little bar. Um so at that time, I was doing uh, Duran Duran. I was doing the Notorious album. Uh, so I had, just, I had just finished Madonna. I had done Bowie. I had done In Excess. So, um, and I had already had two huge hits with Duran Duran. So now we were just yeah. sort of, we were in chill mode. And, uh, and we went out to catch a Prince after party. Uh, because, you know, I guess Duran Duran, they were sort of wired. They knew where everything was going on. So we walked into um, uh, this nightclub that was in, uh, God, what part of London was it? Uh, I can picture it now. Oh, Camden. It was like near Camden Lock. Yeah. So we walked into the club and it was, you know, these were the days where you could smoke. And boy, right. in England, they smoked their... A yeah, smoke. Yeah. <laughs> so we walked into the club and it's like nothing but smoke. And um, and I have no idea how he could see me because there was just smoke everywhere. Wow. And we walked into the club and he and Ron Wood from the Stones were playing. And I don't remember all the other musicians, but I just remember Ronnie and Prince. And um, I walked into the club with John Taylor and Prince stopped the band. And uh, I, I don't even know what they were playing. He stopped the band and he said, "Ladies and gentlemen, now Rogers. Now oh this man. Oh my gosh. Now this man's got the funk." And he. Oh my god! Wow, that's iconic. Yeah, and I had to like climb on the bar and walk over people and stuff. And I get. Do you feel yeah. nervous or called out at all, or were you like, "I'm ready to show up"? I was probably high. I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was too high to be. I, I was good to go. Yeah. Yeah, I was too high to be nervous. And I remember he gave me the guitar. He he was playing guitar at the time. So he gave me his guitar and then he sat down and played piano. And he asked me, what did I want to play? I said, I don't care. I'll play anything you guys play. And he called out uh, a James Brown song, but it was a James Brown song that you really had to know. You couldn't just fool around. And unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Ron Wood didn't know it. I'm not telling on Ron. I like him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but but he, he didn't know this song. And so, on, you know, to my left side, all I could hear is like, bling, 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 bling. <laughs> While Prince and I were all into it and Prince was singing his butt off. He's, he was just killing it. And then so we finished the song and I said to Woody, I said, I think you should sit down now, bro. And, uh, and then we just jammed the entire night. We just went on and on. Oh, my amazing. God. It was so. That's so incredible. Took my breath what? away, and the next day, as you said, I um, I didn't know if they had purple roses, so I I uh, asked the the um, concierge at my hotel if they could get like every purple rose in London, 
And I think he may have said, no, my dear fellow, I'm not sure they have purple roses. I said, well, spray them purple. Put them, put like purple dye in it or something. Yeah. And they did. Wow. And, and you sent them to Prince. Like a gazillion, however many I That's could. incredible. Yeah. That's so cool. That's like a genius thing to send him, I feel, because it's just like over the top and beautiful and Memorable. expressive. It just feels like him. Yeah. yeah. I, and, you know, it's funny. I instinctively knew that was the right thing to do, right? Mm. So this was basically, this was the second time we met, the first time we ever played together. And we had played together a couple of times, but that was the first time. And we had the greatest connections, the greatest sort of friendship, spiritual yeah. type of connection after that, because I'm not like a religious person or anything of the mm -hmm. sort. like. Like zero, not a, yeah. But I understand what I would call spirituality. So mm -hmm. Prince and I could talk just on a real artistic level. We were just like friends. You would think that we had known each other like our whole lives and had grown yeah. up with each other. Yeah. When it clicks, it clicks. And I can see y'all clicking. Totally. I feel like your mind. But I also kind of feel like. Well, you tell me now. I just feel like you can connect with anyone. And is that part of the reason you've been so successful? Like, are your, is your ability to connect with somebody personally contribute to your ability to connect with them musically? I have no idea. I, I try. Yeah. I really, as you well know, Rosie, I always try and have the artist's best interest at heart. I always think yeah. that, what can I do? for this person that really can take them from here to there. Yeah. If mm -hmm. I can't do that, then I don't really think I should be in your world because you can get someone else. Because right. I, I think that that's the producer's responsibility. Like mm -hmm. if they don't help you, like I believe we're all on a, on a growth arc of some mm -hmm. sort. And I want to, if you're here, I want to do that record that takes you from here to at least there. I don't mm -hmm. want to have you stagnate or go backwards it's like i gotta right. it's like i always say to an artist i want you i want to do your next record not your last right. record totally oh uh, yeah that's a good mantra to have going into a project how can i make this the next tier totally what's the point unless we're moving up i'm super seduced by artistic people i i can't mm -hmm. help myself like when, like rosie like when i find a person and i think they're great like i just want to work with them mm -hmm. and um and i I, I just can't help it. Um, I was going to ask you, you've worked with everyone. Is there any artist, and this is a hard question because I know you're friends probably with everybody, but is there any artist that kind of just stands above the others in terms of your, like the sacredness to you? Like you guys have a special, and I know obviously, you know, the late, the basis from Chic, of course, but I mean, when you're a producer or a songwriter with somebody else, is there anybody that was just like, you guys had the magic or you have the magic? more than you do with anybody else. Yeah, Dave, David Bowie, for sure. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like, without, even, without even thinking, I could say that. Wow. Because um, this, this was a person who was a rock and roll giant. And yeah. he called upon me to make his pop record. And this was really right. a big thing because, you know, contrary to what people believe and what people think, David had been pursuing hits his entire life. I mean, right. he really wanted hit records, 
But because he was so artistic and he was so uh, knowledgeable about music. I mean, he was a real jazzer too. That's how we hooked up. I mean, he's yeah. brilliant. Um, he just didn't compromise. He just wanted to do what he wanted to do. And when he and I met, he basically charged me with doing a hit record, giving him a hit record, making him a hit record. That was my job, Tough. right? So he said, nah, you know, I want you to do what you do best. And I thought, well, how the hell do you know what I do best? You know, like <laughs> I was actually a little offended. And I said, well, what do you think I do best? And he says, you make hits. I was like, <laughs> whoa, wow, David Bowie thinks I make hits? Wow. That's incredible. I said, he doesn't really know me. No, I make flops every now and then. <laughs> and every now and then one of them is a hit. I make hits and flops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. So um, basically the whole Let's Dance album, I did in two days um, in Switzerland with all with jazz guys with the jazz trio, and laid out all the arrangements for him and and did everything in two days. I couldn't believe it uh, because, wow. and then we recorded the album start to finish, overdubbed, mixed everything, delivered in seventeen days, like a jazz album. Whoa, that's Insane. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's incredible. I cannot believe that. It's just proof that like. You can get anything done quickly if you, like, focus on making it happen. Yeah, or if the magic is there. Right. And, and also, um, that's how I was taught. Uh, you know, right. there, there, was a, there was a real difference between the budgets for black artists and white artists. Like, I, I right. had friends who were, like, rock bands that were brand new that would mm -hmm. get a record deal, and they'd lock out the studio. I was like, whoa. Like, no black artist locked out the studio, unless you were right. Jackson 5 or something. Like, yeah. we had to work on the eight-hour shift schedule. You know, we go in and, you know, book the studio for eight hours. And we'd, like, I never locked out a studio until I did Duran Duran's album, Notorious, believe it or mm. not. So I wow. cut Like a Virgin, Like a Black Album. Wow. Eight hours, eight-hour shift, I cut In Excess, Like a Black Record. I cut Bowie's album like a black record. He was paying for it himself. So he was thrilled that I cut it in 17 days. That you made it so quick. Right. Do you think that was, I know it technically would be a handicap, but do you think it was a good thing in any way? Like having to do it so quick? It was just the thing, man. I didn't know any other uh, way. There was, there was yeah. no other way. It wasn't like right, I, I could right, say, right. Um, uh, hey, record company, uh, can you give us as much money as you gave my friend's band who are never going to right. amount to anything, but you paid them like five times as much as we did. It must be so infuriating. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, that's just, that was the world. So there was the, the, the world of white artists that got new record deals and the world of black artists that got new record deals. Right. Unless you were somebody like Prince who just came in and dazzled everybody. We were not dazzling. Trust me. We right. were, we were... <laughs> some unassuming guys that had this really great idea for this yeah. band called Chic that uh, basically was um, uh, basically was a mashup between Roxy Music and Kiss. And I know mm. you probably can't envision that, but basically <laughs> it was the, the, the high fashion, the couture of Roxy mm. Music and the anonymity of Kiss. Like we cool. love the fact oh, cool. that nobody knew who we were and right. nobody knew who Kiss were. They, they were like, it was a Which big Which is kind of why 
you're, it makes so much sense that you would work with Daft Punk. Yeah. You know, because they are the same. No one knows who they are. Right, right. And Get Lucky, I mean, just because our listeners are probably on the younger side, they'll all, everyone will definitely know that one. It's yeah. just like such an infectious song and um, so you, you know, like when you know your like body of work, it's just like you could recognize the sound of you playing that guitar anywhere. That's not really a question. I just love that song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's a good one. But also you were saying the high fashion couture of Chic. Is that why, because I read that Grace Jones wanted you to produce her album? Yeah, but I don't, I, don't, I, don't know if it, I don't know if it had anything to do with our fashion sense. <laughs> it was because of that song that I wrote called Everybody Dance. Oh, right. Yeah, mm. it was like one of our favorites. Yeah, it's like that. Hey, man, like that song with the hip chord changes. Mm. Uh, but wow. what was great about it is that um, she invited us to Studio 54, which we had been in a few times because my girlfriend was in the fashion business. But mm. I tried to go by myself. Whoops. <laughs> Bad idea. I, even though they were playing my music, they had no idea who I was. That's so crazy. <laughs> That's how great the anonymity thing yeah. was. Um, so wow. uh, Grace told us over the phone, she said, so look, darling, you know, I had never met Grace Jones. So when mm -hmm. I heard her accent, I thought that we were supposed to pretend to speak like that. I didn't know that that was her <laughs> real accent. I thought that was like, you know, remove the brown M&Ms from the candy jar or whatever. Right. So she said, so look here, darling, you go to the back door of Studio 54 and you tell them you are personal friends of Miss Grace Jones. So to us, she sounded like a cross between Marlena Dietrich, Bella Lugosi, and Bob Marley. And we, <laughs> and we, we tried to fake that accent. And we said, oh, we are personal friends of Miss Grace Jones. And, wow. And the, the doorman at the back, the guy at the back door, at the state door, slams the door in our faces and tells, <laughs> oh my us, God. tells us to fuck off. And we go home and we write a song called, Ah, Fuck Off. No! No way! Yes. Really? And it became, Ah, Freak Out. Freak Out. That, that is, is amazing. I did not know that story. I'm going to just say, Fuck, fuck Off. off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I hear it, I'm just going to say, fuck off now. <laughs> That's incredible. That's so cool. And we were, um, we were into it, too. It sounded great. And my partner, we, we thought of every possible scenario where the only appropriate answer, the only appropriate response would be, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, after we jammed on it for about a half hour, because we, we were pretty lit, uh, we had... Yeah. We had uh, bought two bottles of what we used to call rock and roll mouthwash, which is, uh -oh. is Dom Perignon champagne. And uh, we downed it so fast that we got, you know how champagne makes yeah. you all woozy. And, um, and so we were just singing it over and over and over again. And finally my partner looked at me and said, uh, my man, you, you know this shit is happening, right? You know that. <laughs> and I was like, we can't get this on the radio. This is like two years before hip hop. We're like, this is not good. We're not gonna yeah. get this on the radio. And, uh, and we changed it from that F off to freak off, which sounded horrible to me. I kept saying to him, <laughs> we kept trying to force it. You know how you write a song and you keep trying to totally. force it? You think right. Right, the uh, idea is amazing. Freak off. Yeah, right. It's not the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I said, I said, Doesn't feel as good. Yeah, right. I said, my man, that is not lifting my skirt at all. Uh, <laughs> not happening. Um, and then, um, 
And then Bernard had this epiphany. He went, because Bernard had kids and I'm not married. I don't have kids or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and Bernard said, yeah, my kids are doing this new dance called The Freak. We're like, <gasps> whoa, oh let's write God. a song about a dance. We didn't even know how to do The Freak. Yeah. And we wrote a song about a dance that we didn't even know how to do. So That's amazing. We went, we went out to the record store and we bought two really famous songs about dances. And we used them as the blueprint for Le Freak. And we realized that in either of those two songs, they didn't know how to, do, if they knew how to do the dance, they didn't tell you. We, we did, the most famous one was Chubby Checkers, The Twist. Come on, uh -huh. baby, let's do The Twist. And in another song called The Peppermint Twist by Joey D and the Starlighters. These are both huge records. And you listen to the lyrics and he goes, come on, baby, let's do The Twist. Come on, baby, <laughs> let's do the twist. Take me by my little hand and go like this. But they never Nothing. tell you. And then they don't tell you what to do. Wow. He just goes, e let's twist. Yeah, baby, twist. Ooh, yeah, just like this. <laughs> and that's it. So, so you're like, we don't need to know how to do this dance. We don't right, need to right, know right. how to do the freak. So yeah. <laughs> when we wrote the freak, we went, have you heard about the new dance craze? Listen to us. I'm sure you'll be amazed. Big fun to be had by everyone. It's up to you. Surely can be done. Young and old are doing it, I'm told. Just one try. And you too will be sold. It's called the Freak. They're doing it night and day. Allow us. We'll show you the way. And then we don't show you the way. We just go, aw, freak out. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's crazy. I feel like... <laughs> Uh, some form of copying is always the most effective way to get a great song. Like I will listen to whatever I want to like, not rip off, but I want to kind of mimic Inspired, the blueprint. Right? Like you said, it really, it really makes a huge difference when I'm writing to have like some kind of guide. I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lionel Richie calls that the code vibe. The code vibe. Code yes. vibe. He'll say, he'll, he'll say, He'll say, Niall, um, the code vibe on this will be um, Donna Summer, uh, you know, Last Dance, or the code vibe will be, you know, whatever, you know. And, and I'll yeah. say, oh. And I think that that helps because it gets you totally. into a frame of mind. He'll say, no, the code, the code vibe will be Sly and the Family Stone, everyday people. And then mm. you go, okay, so you're not trying to copy it, but you're in a frame of mind where like, oh, so what... Because that's, he's now asking me, what do I feel? How how does everyday people sound to me? Like, what right. what am mm. I taking away from that? Yeah, there's art in the interpretation. Right. You know? Um, should we ask our final three questions? I think sure. we're there. Yeah, yeah we I'm being. We have three questions we ask everyone, if you have the time. No, I'm being very talkative. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Oh. Are you kidding me? It's incredible. No, this is amazing. Um, do you want to ask the first one? Oh, yeah, sure. The first question is, what does success mean to you? What does success mean to me? Wow. Yeah, yeah um, get deep. <laughs> you, you know, uh, like my, my jazz tutor said, um, to write those songs that speak to the souls of a million, well, now we speak to the souls of a billion strangers or more. Yeah. But um, yeah, just to have music that speaks to people other than my tight little circle, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the song should resonate outside of me. I mean, I write it for me. I mean, obviously, yeah. but 
to me, if it doesn't resonate with other people, it's just the same thing as like practicing, staying at home and practice, which I love. Right. I would do that all day long if people would pay me to do that. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. That's I love that. Answer. The connection, you know, that's kind of the point to me too, is the feeling of connection with people. It, Music is of, like the ultimate. I, I look it's, at it like, I look at myself as like a baby. You just, you just want to be heard, right? You say to yourself, totally. like when the baby is crying, you don't know what they want, but they want something. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to be, a baby that wants something. I don't know exactly what it is. You know, do you want to pick me up or change my diaper right. or walk me around or whatever? You just want to be heard. Um, mm. And that's really what it is to me. It's that simple. You want to be heard. You want to be heard. Yeah. Same. I feel like all humans want to be seen, want to yeah. be heard. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. The second question is, what would you tell yourself, like your past self, when you were at your lowest what would you tell that version of Niall, you know, that was at a low point in your life? Um, I think I did tell him. Because <laughs> 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 uh, there was a part, uh, there was a time in my life where I really felt I was at my lowest. And I told that person to stop drinking and stop doing drugs. I was mm. at Madonna's birthday party. I think it was her 38th birthday party. Um, and uh, I was down in Miami Beach. I was completely out of control, um, partying like there was no tomorrow. And, uh, and I felt like it was affecting my ability to create and make music. Mm. And, and mm. I, I knew that I loved making music more than I loved doing drugs yeah so mm-hmm. i stopped i went to and chuck checked myself into a rehab for eight months and i probably would have never played music again if it wasn't for michael jackson calling me up and asking me to play on his album called history and wow. i was wow. and i was like so paranoid i did not want to go into a recording studio especially mm. the recording studio he was in i was like going no as soon yeah. as I walk in the door, they're going to go, hey, no, here's the coat. <laughs> like, no, yeah. Michael, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I did it, and, and thank God I did do it because uh, after spending those hours with Michael that day, I was no longer afraid. I mm. did, you know, then somebody else called me, and I went in, and then someone else called me, and I went in, and the next thing I know, I started making records again. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. That's, That's incredible. Like, if you look at my yeah. discography, you'll see, like, there's a whole thing missing. It's like a year. It was, mm. like, no records. I didn't make any records. I was in the rehab for eight months. Yeah, I mean, amazing. But that's good for you that you, like, took that year yeah. off to, like, yeah. And that you recognize what, what you needed yourself. You know, you just, you know, you prescribed that to yourself. Um, amazing answer. Okay, our last question is always ridiculous. And we're always embarrassed by it. But the thing is, Scott and I love to talk about work ethic and ambition and dreams and being successful. And we also like to gossip. So our last question is, there, do you have any gossip now? I feel like you have, I feel like you have lots of gossip from your past. There's got to be some crazy. Any gossip that you can share. <laughs> you can say no. I, I yeah, I, I mean... Nah, the it's only not- only gossip, I guess, would be about myself. I wouldn't 
gossip about anyone anyone else. I know. Yeah, that's, you're, that. that's a problem. Our that's guests are too, they're too good of people. Uh, everyone we interview is like so like wise and successful. They're like, I don't really do that because that's yeah. very low. Fre- <laughs> that's very low frequency thing to do. Um, yeah. But I feel like the stories you told, the incredible stories of the past have, are like. Well, this is a small thing, but Scott is in the band Pentatonics with I Kevin Alushala, as you know. Yeah. With Kevin Alushala, who you knew, but you saw on my Instagram. Yeah. Because he did, he beatboxed to my song, Best Friend Song. And then I connected you guys. Yeah. To Amazing. maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, do something together in the future. Oh, you should work with him. You would be blown away. He is a musician. He's like you in that he like, it's always curious, curious. I, I'm yes. already blown away. I'm like, like, and I'm I'm blown away with pentatonics. I mean, your yeah. your oh, version you. of Hallelujah is like the most amazing thing like I've ever heard. Yeah, it oh, is. wow, amazing. that means the world coming no, from you. And I'm no, <laughs> no, I'm telling you, that is it's ridiculous. It's so thank you amazing. It's like yeah. tear jerking as well as super intellectual and super i mean it's 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 thank you fabulous i'm gonna tell the band you said that they're gonna freak oh, out oh no tell them freak please. out it's ridiculous thank you for and, and that you've done uh, and some other stuff but that one brings me like just like yeah that's one uh, of my faves too you in i'm in front of everybody's face uh, yeah that's my favorite one we've done too thank you I think that's it. Niall, I can't thank you enough. You're such a legend. You're the busiest guy in the world. We really, really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your stories with us. Yeah, this has been so special. Thank you. Yeah, I've had a good time. And I okay, I adore Rosie. I think she's so uh, damn talented. Same. So <laughs> I can't wait to hear what y'all do together. I really can't wait. Oh, our song is too good. It's, yeah, it's pretty it's, it's incredible. I'm so excited about Niall. I sent him this song and he just turned it into like the coolest thing you've, I mean, I, I can't, I'm so excited. I can't wait to share it. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. I bet you say that to all the geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Can't wait to meet you in person you, when this world is normal Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, thanks so much now. Take care. Cheers. That's love. Bye. All right. Peace. Okay, that was amazing. That was amazing. He's, <laughs> He's incredible. Thank you guys. Okay, thank you guys so much. And we will see you <laughs> next time, whenever that may be. See you someday. No, we'll see you next time. We're going to edit this to shreds. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Bye. Bye.